So this is a two-part, because I got to come the last time. We got to go through part of John, chapter 13, 14, part of 15, and now we're going to go into 16. And we're going to kind of do a little bit of review there. Maybe some of you were with us last time, maybe not. But this passage I've been preaching out of now for about uh, two or three years, and I don't plan to go anywhere quickly on this. I'll probably be speaking here for another couple of years, I think, because so much just keeps coming up that I keep learning. There's new things that I want to share, even though I've been preaching on this for several years. There's things that I've, I've really not incorporated in the message that I want to do that this morning. So if we go back to chapter 13 for a second, we understand that this is before the time of the Passover. Jesus had started this off by gathering his disciples around. And what did he start with? He was washing their feet. And he did that foot washing as a demonstration of what they were to do for those around them. Namely, to to love those around them and to serve those around them. But they, the disciples, had a hard time understanding the truth that Jesus was telling them and showing them at that time. And we see the, the dialogue back and forth. We have Peter there, and he says, Oh, you don't need to wash my feet. Don't wash my feet, Lord. The Lord's like, Well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then he says, Oh, wash me all over. He says, no, you're clean. I just need to wash your feet. Now, that was quite a, a deal. and We talked about that last time. About Can you imagine what a person's foot, feet would be like in that culture? The time of the Passover, maybe the different things that would be in the street at that time. The dirt, the grime. This is a pretty dirt, dirty job. And thus, they were humbled by the fact that Jesus washed their feet. That was to leave a, a lasting impact. And even today, it's something we, we remember. We remember, and it's, it's a part of even church history. It's a demonstration of those things, and so that's helpful to us. But we see in this passage a glimpse of the fact that the disciples really had no idea what was happening in this transition where Jesus is saying, I am about to leave, and I'm leaving you with a work, a holy calling of loving other people. And they didn't get it at first, and they're struggling to understand these things. He says in the end of chapter 13, I give you a new commandment. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's John chapter 13, verse 34, if you're following along. You've got to read the dialogue in chapter 13. I passed out a little note card that you can take with you. I would encourage you to read the whole story there, from 13 even into to 17, uh, with, with the Lord's Prayer there. So we have this part where Peter is struggling and several of the disciples are struggling. And then in 14, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he tells his disciples not to be troubled, to believe in him. And that would be true to them. They were troubled. Now, gratefully, I understand why they'd be troubled. It says right before that, that Jesus was troubled in spirit. What had just happened? He had been betrayed by one that had been with them. Can you imagine how hard that would be? It says in the start of chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. He gives them that truth. He gives them that that pillar of where to set their belief, even in a time that is troubling. There's a lot of troubling things going on in our world today. Maybe there's always been this many troubling things, just news and, and media moves faster, I don't know, but... 
Even my grandmother called me, I think it was last night or the night before, and, and she had heard that those two escapees had gotten closer to Pennsylvania and she was quite concerned for our safety. I think we are in the middle of nowhere. But still, she was concerned, right? She was concerned. Miracle Mountain Ranch would not be where they would want to end up. They would have themselves probably in more trouble than they realize. But anyhow, then there's also the hate crime that happened this week at that church in the Carolinas. I grew up in Virginia. It's not a terrible distance from there. It's very sad. I mean, we see these things. It's very, very troubling. It's very troubling. So we could, we could be like these disciples and say, let not your hearts be troubled. So what's going to calm our hearts in these troubling times? He follows up with, believe in God, believe also in me. And 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. Hold on to that. Then in 15, we have the, the famous passage there, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Familiar language there from the foot washing episode there? Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. And then on down in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I spoke to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another. Greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. What a passage. I love especially this little part here. I think this is what first attracted me to this passage where it defines our life purpose to glorify God. To glorify God by bearing much fruit. And what does that fruit look, look like? It looks like love. looks like love. That's very helpful in these troubling times. We see the hate in the world. How do we dissect that? How do we solve that problem? What's our answer to that? If we're growing in love, what's going to be the fruit? Love does not hate, right? That is a fruit of the flesh. Love is gracious and kind and generous and grateful and those, those character traits that we seek after. That's the answer. I mean, we'll... Our, our culture will define this and dissect this many different ways. And, and I, I think they'll be distracted by things and say, oh, if we fix this in our culture, that'll make that all go away. Or if we change this, it'll make that all go away. This is the only thing that's going to make that kind of stuff, at least in our own hearts, go away. We're truth-seeking this morning. That's what we're going to head towards. That's a little bit of a review as fast as I can. Right, to kind of go through there where the disciples have been. They've been with Jesus. Jesus is telling them that He's leaving. He's giving them a mission of love. They're still troubled in that. They still don't know where their place is in that. So He continues. And so in chapter 16, please turn with us there this morning. Chapter 16, verse 1, this is where He says, He sums up, He says, why He's telling them these things. Chapter 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Wow, what a comforting verse for us. So we understand these words, the words that, that are in the chapters back from this, are to help us from, from 
falling away. We all need that. We're just, we're just a couple decisions from falling away. We know that, right? We know if sin is close. We know the flesh is close with us. We could be just like those, those guys. We can make poor choices just as fast as the next person, right? We see it. We'll go home after church this morning. Somebody will make us mad and we'll have a bad attitude. That quick. We'll walk away from the truth. We'll walk away from the fellowship. We won't be abiding in Christ. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. And then he talks to them about how the world's going to treat them. They will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. I did not pick this this week. I picked this a while ago. Okay, But it's interesting here that it says a person who thinks that he's offering service to God is really doing what? A disservice to God. But truth in his mind has been distorted. So we're truth seekers this morning. So where does truth come from for us as Christians? Where do we know where to head? Where true north for us is? What is right and wrong? What laws to set? What laws not to set? How do we know that stuff? We know that stuff from our relationship with God. As to this passage, we'll get there. He left us a helper who's going to do what? Guide us in truth. We'll see that in the verses to come. Let's keep reading. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. What a warning. What a warning. They will do these things because they don't know me. But they look like they know me. So they say they have the truth, but they in fact do not have the truth. Now, I think it's easy for us to say, well, that's somebody else. I, I met somebody like that one time. And now remember that that's us, too. We depart from the truth the moment we, we're not abiding with Christ. Have you ever got something in your mind? And you're like, how did I believe that? How in the world did I get so messed up on that? I, I thought I was so right. I, I'll tell you, I have these examples all the time. So I was, I was at the parade this week. We took, a, we took a whole Miracle Mountain Ranch caravan. And they lined us up. And I had told them that I wanted us to be behind the trailer that we were letting them use because I thought it all went together and it made sense that they would have the Conestoga wagon and, then, and they were borrowing that and we would be directly after that. And we get there and we're six and the wagon that I wanted to be right behind was like up in number three. And I'm like, see, they messed it up. And then this marching band comes. And I'm like, they're going to be in front of us as well. There's no connection between our wagon and us. And I was getting a little frustrated. And I was like, I want to find the person that set this up and remind them that we had an agreement. I had asked them. They said it was fine. Well, I didn't find that person, luckily. I think I saw him in passing. I was like, well, I'll just, we'll just let this play out. I guess I won't get into it now. You know, it's kind of the way it is. They're going to move the, the marching band around. That'd go real well. The cowboy's telling the marching band to move back. Yeah, that would go real well. Everybody pulls out and we are right behind the wagon. I was wrong. It appeared that it was this way, but it was a different way. Has that ever happened to you where you get frustrated at somebody and you're like, I can't believe you're doing this. And then, right, because they're not going to actually do it. It's going to be something completely different. You have no idea what the truth is. And that's an illustration of us, right? Of we think we have the truth. We're not really going after where truth comes from. And, and then our, even our reaction to other people is completely frayed because we have no idea what the truth actually is. 
another interesting uh, this personal story of this week. So, so the whole thing up in New York is kind of fascinating. These two guys running around. I wonder how long it's going to take them to turn that into a movie. And maybe you're not fascinated by this at all. But So I have this dream that I am one of the criminals. And like partway through the dream, I'm like, how did I get here? How did I make this poor of a choice? I'm trying to get out of it at that point, but I'd already committed some crime. It was, I, I don't even remember. You know how dreams are. You don't remember exactly what you did. You just know you're in trouble. And you're trying to run away. I'm like at a convenience store or something like that. I'm thinking, how did I get here? How, how did I make this? I'm supposed to be a good guy. How did I make this poor of a choice? Right? And I thought, you know, that's not a bad illustration of this message because we get there. When we to, how did I make this? There's the, the song, this popular Christian song, The Slow Fade. You know, so, and sometimes it's slow and sometimes it's just downright fast that we'll make poor choices. We choose to hold on to things that aren't truth, God's truth, often. And verses like this help straighten us out. Relationships like this are what help straighten us out. Let's read on a little bit farther. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? I think we brought this up in the last message. Jesus is standing there. Pretend he's sitting next to you right now. You're like, oh, this is awesome. And he says, I'm leaving. And you're like, that's not awesome. Jesus is saying to his disciples that it is better for them if he leaves because he's leaving the Helper. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is to be judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify Me, and He will make what is Mine declared to you. Isn't that a beautiful passage? We struggle with that sometimes, because some of us would frankly rather just, just, if Jesus would just come here and sit here, that's not the answer. Right? Even with the disciples, it was better that Jesus leave. But what is the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, going to do for us? That's, that's kind of the point of this message. I had a good time talking with Pastor Matt after the last message. He says, I think they would get your point, but I'm not sure. You know, like review of the last... I said, tell me how it went. You know, I consider him kind of a pastor of pastors, and kind of a one in a hundred pastors type thing. I said, tell me. You, know, you don't often get feedback because the pastor's never there when I preach often. I said, give me feedback. He said, well, you know, make sure you get your point across. Well, that's true. It's kind of the point of being here. So if I can get one point across this morning is that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, guides us into truth. That's the point. Okay? So when Pastor ba- comes back, you can tell him. I remembered his point. Hopefully you can remember it by the end of this. So, so let's look at a character that would maybe help illustrate this, this passage for us. Peter. Peter. Peter, very dynamic uh, fella. 
uh, very honest in, uh, in him explaining, you know, I don't know, when things came to his mind, he just kind of said, said them. So let's turn back to 13, verse 36. Turn, if you can, in your Bibles to that passage. This is Simon Peter. Simon Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going you cannot follow, but afterwards you will follow. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered him, you will lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. He was with Jesus. He was passionate. He was excited about the calling. He completely missed the point. Jesus did not want to hear how awesome Peter was and how much Peter would lay down his life. He wanted fellowship with Peter. He wanted to be on the same page with Peter. He wanted Peter to abide with him. And Peter asked a question. If you read in the, he sort of asked a question, but he doesn't even wait for Jesus to answer it. He's charging ahead at this point. He's not in fellowship that way. He's charging ahead and he says, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, that's not true. That's not true. That's kind of the point. You'll deny me three times. Do we relate? I, don't, I, I relate to that. I relate to that. Let me read some other verses that I think you know, may, may help illustrate this point um, a little bit. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It says the desires of the flesh are contrary to the Spirit. They're contrary the one to the other so that you do not do the things that you with wish. Uh, you know, Paul says right there famously, the things I want to do, I do not do. And I do the very things that, I, that I'm trying to flee from. Anybody feel like that? Any, any, any responses to maybe a spouse or a child that was like that this week? Or a worker? Maybe, maybe you weren't quite as patient as, as you wanted to be with that person? Ever, ever do something that you didn't want to do? Peter struggled. You know, and he, and he he charged out there, and we know that that battle is the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And when we're walking with the spirit of God, what happens? He's going to help us. He's a helper. We need that helper. We need that. That's our connect. That's that's something to get excited about. Not only get excited about in our own lives. That's something we can be excited to share with other people. So let me tell you. Let me tell you about the helper that I have to help guide me in these things. It's very important to us. Some points here that I want you to get. The principles taught in these scriptures are meant to keep us from falling away. Point number two, abiding is heart level stuff. We are challenged to abide in Christ just as the branch is connected to the vine. He gives us the Holy Spirit for this connection. You can think this stuff. You can look religious like this stuff. Just like the person we said in our, our passage there, that they, they said they were doing this in the Lord's name, but they're actually taking somebody's life. Do we see that? We see that happen in our culture a lot, where somebody says, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm helping them. You're killing them. Like literally, we get skewed in our truth. It's like a ship without a rudder. I think that Christians, we, we also have to be careful because we have knowledge, maybe more knowledge of some things, Maybe more capabilities in some things may be dangerous because we have more tools that if are not guided, get us into more trouble. And maybe that's where you see some Christians fall so hard. 
We cannot walk away from our relationship with the Spirit. The Spirit guides us, point three. The Spirit guides us into all truth. And probably the main point of the sermon this morning is, is that this is a, we're truth seekers. This is going to guide us into truth, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Point number four, there is a struggle. That's what we talked about, the struggle of the flesh and the Spirit. They're contrary, the one to the other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you walk with the Spirit, you are not on the law. If you walk with the Spirit, you will have success. If you walk with the Spirit, you will have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Those things that we know are good. Things that we want to see in our kids. Things that we want to see in our own lives. The things we enjoy so much about our spouse. Those good things. Where do they come from? That relationship. There is a struggle. Romans 8, if you're taking notes, is another great passage to read. That's where Paul talks about his struggle. In, in Romans, he, there's a lot of going back and forth. And, and Paul, was, was, it was wonderful to have that honest sharing with us. Because if somebody like Paul struggled, we're going to struggle too. Are we always going to get it right? No. It's also forgiveness comes. In. Cry out and say, I messed up. I'm obviously seeking some other truth, not this. Please save me. Please help me. In this passage, it says over and over, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. I think that can be one of our wishes. Say, dear Lord, please forgive me, save me, set me on the right course, help me seek after these things that I had no desire to seek after of my own heart. We saw this struggle with the disciples. Last, live to love. The fruit of this relationship is love. We are to love God and love our neighbors. Like I said, we talked about the hate scene that we saw this week. Obviously, a result of a lack of, of love, right? And a, and a distortion of truth at some level. Who knows exactly what, but a terrible distortion of what is right and what is wrong. And, and I, I fear it will only increase as we get farther away from knowing what the truth is. But, but we should not look and say that that's somebody else. We should also recognize that that could be us. We could be abusive. We could be mean. We could be unloving. We could, we could lack to share the gospel with other people because we're not passionate about these things and walking with the Spirit. It's not something we just, just man up and do, right? It, it, it's something we, we get on our knees and we cry out for and say, I, I really want to walk with God today. It's not something we judge other people in and say, oh, they're not walking. Don't worry about it. Just worry about yourself. There's plenty enough to worry about ourselves, right? We always get so fired up about everybody else. We got to sit down and go, how am I not walking? How, am I, how can I relate to those crimes that I see and say, yeah, maybe there's some of that in me? There is. It's called the flesh, and we seek it regularly. Colossians 1.10 So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increase in the knowledge of God. Increase in your relationship with Him. Another verse about abiding. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. That's John 16 verse. And then John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My true disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set, us, set you free. Well, that's a comforting verse for us to read. Back to Peter for a second. Peter says to Jesus, he says, 
I'll lay down my life for you. And what does Jesus say? Actually, you're going to deny me three times before the morning. Before the morning. This is how it finishes with Peter. And I never included this before, but I think it's important because I think it, it helps us maybe relate to Peter and to see how the relationship from there does not stay there. He does not stay lost on the fact that he denied Christ three times in less than 24 hours. John chapter 21, they come back together. When he had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes. Now notice, he doesn't say, oh yes, I love you more than these. He doesn't respond that way. At least not, not here, not in this translation. Yeah, yes, I love you. But maybe not the same prideful, I can do it myself kind of attitude of, it's more of, yes, Lord, you, you, you know I love you. And it's been drawn out of this passage that this dialogue back and forth kind of takes him back to that denial of three times. And, he, and Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And the illustration of we're going to close the, the chapter on that book and move past it. Let's continue with this. This just very sweet time of fellowship between the two. He descended to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Maybe put your own name in there. Peter was grieved because he said it a third time. Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. Ah, there we're getting closer to it. It's not about him anymore. Lord, you know everything. You you know whether I love you or I don't love you. Not, not the quick response that, that we saw in chapter 13. More of a, a humble, slow, uh, uh, more of a response of a broken man who realized his place and his need for Christ. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you want to go. After he said these things, he said, follow me. You know, his disciples went on to do some incredible things. We see the fruit of that. Because we look at this passage before, and it looks like a mess. Almost every response they have, Jesus has to correct them and tell them what truth is. And then we see, go through the whole passage there, we see the fruit of Jesus working in their lives. I said these things, Jesus says, to keep you from falling away. Oh, they were not disappointed, were they? It did keep them from falling away, and their works are with us today. A few application points for our message here as we close up. Abide with God through the Holy Spirit He sent. Abide in the Word of God He left for us in the Scriptures. It says in John 15, Abide in My Word. Okay, you can put some some meat on the bones there. It's like, Abide with me. Specifically, abide in my word. Know this. Know this. This is our word. We abide with him by knowing it. So this is a letter to us. Abide in my word. Study the word that you can learn it, share it, and live it for other people as you love other people. 
Pray for humility and closeness with God. You lack motivation for this relationship? Pray for it. Pray for it. Just as a, just as a rogue leader, it would be risky for him to have like a nuclear bomb or something like that. Or maybe a disease. Like a ship without a rudder. A human without a relationship with Jesus Christ is just as dangerous and just as much in need. It's very easy for us to mix the mark by 18 inches. We've sat in church for a great many messages. But I wonder how many of us are taking these things to heart. Taking these things and crying out to God and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm just like Peter. I'm that guy. I need you to do that work in my life. I can relate. If not in real life, in my dreams. I can relate to thinking that I know something and being completely wrong, like in the parade. So I think, what do we do? We, we cry out. Uh, we cry out to God and we ask for help in, in abiding with Him. That's, that's what our prayer is. It's not something we can just do apart from Him. We really have to cry out for it and say, Dear Lord, help me. Because I can't even do this by myself. I think also, maybe we walk away, even from this week, we see some of the things that happen and say, Lord, how are we defined as a church and, and as a people, as a person who, who loves other people? Is Lance known for that? The people, are you known for that as a loving person? They walk away from meeting you and say, Oh, that person loves me. I might be a sinner, but that person loves me. That's a commission for all of us, not just those that have that gift of loving other people, because there are those people, you're like, oh, they're good at loving people. I'm not so good at that. But that's a commission for all of us, just like it was said to the disciples. Lastly, too, you know, it, leave you with the point so, so that you can remember it is the Spirit guides us into all truth. He's our helper. And he guides us into that truth. And we can cry out for that relationship and know that we'll be increasing in his truth. And that's such a sweet thing to us. 